Hey there, I'm super excited to share this interview with Jacqueline Malone with you today. We're going to be talking all about setting effective goals for the new year. And this is Amy, in case you didn't know, and I'm here with Emily. So we're just going to chit chat a little bit about the interview to give you an idea of what's coming up. And then we'll jump into my interview with Jacqueline Malone in just a couple minutes. Hey, Emily, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little bit harried today, but I think it's that season. Um, yeah. We're recording this right in the middle of December and it's just kind of a harried yep. time of year. So I'm actually looking forward to January and some of the clarity it often brings with it. How about you? I'm, I'm doing good. I, I agree with you that it's a harried time of year and I'm looking forward to decompressing in January and sitting down and planning my 2019, you know, thought process and taking myself to that next level and getting out of the holiday spirit. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good, but it's busy. It's busy right now. You know, you said something about like thinking about what's coming up in the new year and like wrapping your head around that, or in different words, you said that, I think. And, um, And for me, that's like one of the really cool things about this interview with Jacqueline that I'm excited for folks to hear is just a perhaps different approach to getting really clear on what you actually want and not trying to plan every single detail of it, but really getting really clear on how you want to feel and going from there. How about you? Agreed. I I loved where she talks about, you know, kind of starting thinking about the end result and, and working backwards from it. So the, when she deep dives into that, I think it's some really awesome value. And I'd love to tease out, um, wait until you guys hear about the desire versus gratitude segment, because I thought that she really nailed it on the head there. And I will be utilizing that, the way that she articulated that to myself, my friends, my clients, anyone that I can help um, move forward with their goals in 2019. Awesome. Well, I think that is the perfect segue. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Jacqueline Malone, who's going to talk to us all about effective goal setting for the new year. Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Hey there, this is Amy, and I am super excited to be here today with Jacqueline Malone. Jacqueline is a personal mentor of mine, though she probably didn't know it until we hopped on this call today. She has a podcast uh, that she's had over 300 episodes of, called All Up In Your Lady Business. She is a mindset and marketing mentor. And you might be wondering, what is she going to be here talking to us at a very full plate about today? But I'm super excited because today we're going to dig in with Jacqueline around effective goal setting in advance of the new year. So Jacqueline, welcome. I am so excited to have you today. 
Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And I love this topic. And I will say, I love that you're bringing it up before the new year too. I feel like it's very on theme as well, that we're not waiting till after the new year <laughs> to talk about this. Thanks. I appreciate it. You know, it, I think of it as like preemptive. Like I wanted to make sure we got to people before they create 300 resolutions that they're going to not keep one week later. And just like, Think of this as like seeding the thought in your mind, listener, so that you can be prepared to set a better New Year's resolution when we've passed Christmas. Because I know I know no one's actually thinking about it or doing it yet, but I think it's the right time to start just like seeding the process for good goal setting. So Jacqueline, you're also a mom. Can you tell us a little bit, just like a brief overview of what your home life looks like? And then we'll dig into all this goal setting stuff. Sure. So I have a five-year-old daughter and a two and a half, two and a half year old son. He's getting so big. He is still the baby though, very much in my mind. Certainly. Like like full on toddler, but we still call him the baby, even though he's like 35 pounds. Uh, (laughs) And I have a husband. We actually just celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary in Aruba not too long ago. Awesome. Yes. And, and he travels. So I, I am running the house by myself um, several times a month, I'll say. And then I have a, I'm looking for him. I have a little, a little white powder puff dog named Louie and he's my coworker here. Nice. <laughs> oh, but I, I do run the business from home. I'm in my, li- I run it from my living room. Um, and I do that with about 26 hours of childcare a week. So my daughter's in kindergarten. I get her off the bus every day. Um, My son goes to daycare two days a week. And my mom, I'm very, I used to say I'm very lucky. And I'm very lucky to have her, but it was very strategic that I bought a house two miles down the road. I'm not going to pretend like that (laughs) was luck. But I'm so grateful to have my mom that helps out with both the kids. um, So I can do that. But I, I, the only way I'm able to run the business on 26 hours a week is that I have in both home and in the business. So I I do not pretend to do this all by myself. So I appreciate you recognizing one, how full your plate is and how much help it actually takes to be able to do all the things, right? That this doesn't happen magically and that you've made some really intentional choices. And I think that's like the perfect lead in to what we're talking about today around goal setting. So I know that you are most often working with women business owners. Would that be fair to say? Yes. Um, that's your target audience. So what do you think, one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation, I'll back up a step, is that I feel like in the past I have set New Year's resolutions and goals in general because I feel like it's what I should do. They always call them the shoulds. Oh, I hate the shoulds. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you most often see shoulds showing up in people's business lives and what can we do to combat that, whether it be business or personal, home-related, health-related, whatever that might look like? It's so true. And this, this goes for whether you have a business or not, right? And a lot of times our shoulds are affected both in good and bad ways by the people we're spending time with, Mm. right? So whether those are people in our office or people in programs that we're in or in our neighborhood or just friends that, you know, that we have from over the years, 
our shoulds can really be impacted by what the people around us are doing. And in business, that can show up as, you know, taking on a lot of maybe projects or opportunities that are not really leading you closer to where you want to go, but you don't realize that because it seems like everyone's doing it, quote unquote. Yes. Um, and same thing can happen in our personal lives. You know, the expression keeping up with the Joneses, right? But a lot of times you think you want that bigger house or fancier car, you know, or to even be a size two or whatever it is, because it seems like that's what everyone else has or is striving for. But a lot of times with those type of things, you get there and you feel really empty about it because it's not really ever what you wanted in the first place. Yeah. I, I so identify with that where you like do all this work and you get there and it's like, wait, why did I start doing this work in the first place? And I put all of this time and energy into it. If I even ended up putting the time and energy, sometimes I think we set, we find these shoulds. We say in our head, I should be a size two. And then we don't actually do anything to be a size two. And it just like filters through our head. Like I really should be that. And we're not even doing any of the work because probably it doesn't really matter, but it's still taking up mental energy, right? Like it's still Mm. taking up this valuable brain space. Yes. Yes. And I find that a lot of times with the shooting, this is such a big thing. And this was a realization that took me a long time to have. Um, and I, let's just say I am not a size two. <laughs> me neither, I for the but I have not, um, while I have surpassed many of my business goals, I have not, um, had a lot of success with some of the weight loss goals, but I will say that this was a really big aha moment that I've had this past year. And that is that I was setting goals, mostly personal goals, but I've also noticed going back in my past that there was a lot of times in the past that I was setting business goals from the same place, but I was setting goals and I'll, well, I'll describe it first and then I'll tell you what that. Okay. So I would say things like, oh, like I want, I want to lose weight. I'm, you know, and, and it was all coming from this place of being really unhappy with where I was, you know? Um, and I would, and a lot of focus around that of like, oh, like, you know, my body isn't the same since I've had kids, you know, even like there are points where I'd get on the scale and like the number on the scale would be the same, but like the pants don't, <laughs> like the body is just very different situation going on. Um, and, and there's a lot of negative feelings and emotions around that of like, I'm not thin enough or I'm not toned enough or whatever that is. And so I would set a goal of like, oh, I want to lose weight, but it was coming from this place of lack. It was coming from this place of not feeling good enough about myself and, and only focusing on negative things. And when you're setting a goal from that place, it's going to be really hard to stick to it. And there's so much, we'll dig into more about the goal setting, but like from that perspective too, is I find that when you're starting off with even figuring out what your goal should be, set it from a place of abundance, right? And how do we flip that around with feeling good about our bodies? And instead of from a place of like, I want to shame myself for not having the same body that I had before I had kids, but saying, you know what, I want, you know, I want to have more energy and I want to feel good in my body. And when I eat like this, I feel good. So let's do more of this. Or when I actually go to the gym, I, you know, I, then I have more energy to play with my kids. So I'm going to be intentional about that. And instead of focusing on the behavior and the habits that help me feel the way I want to feel, 
I was focusing on all the negative stuff. So instead of coming from that place of lack, I'm coming from that place of abundance of really being able to have more energy and feel good and, and all of those and feel comfortable in my clothes, right? Like it's still, I still want to lose weight, but instead of coming from that place of like self, hey, it's like, no, I want to do this because I love myself and I'm so grateful for this body that I have and I want to take care of it, right? Yes. Yes, to all of that. I so appreciate you getting a little bit vulnerable around that, around that. And you've, I'll share a story that I shared a little bit on Facebook, but it's something I've been struggling with, which is same thing. I have an 18-month-old. I, I gained 40 pounds in my first pregnancy and 50 pounds in my second. And I have a lot of chatter in my head around the way that I should look because I talk about healthy eating, right? So to me, like the business and the personal are also like pretty deeply intertwined and none of my pants have been fitting. And I lost my dad three months ago. There's just like a lot happening, right? Like a lot of life happening. And if I were looking at someone else, I would say, will you give yourself a break? Like, will you please just buy a bigger pant size and give yourself a break? And I recognized through having conversations with trusted friends and reflecting on where I was coming from that I wasn't just giving myself a break. And I finally bought a couple pairs of pants that are a size bigger than I've been in a while. And you know what? There is something so freeing to say, like, I feel good. Right here, that doesn't mean I don't want to eat healthy or go to the gym. But when I detached myself from this result, which is I need to fit in this arbitrary pant size because I once fit in it, it's a lot easier to do the work. Does that make sense? It does. It does. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a quote. It's, it's kind of like, I'm like, I preach this, but I feel like this is just such a big, because this was the big aha for me. And I, and I feel like we all need to drill it in because a lot of times we either, one, we're coming from that place of lack or we're just, we're, we're feeling guilty about wanting, maybe you say you want to lose weight and your friends that are like, oh my God, I would die for your body. Right. And then you feel guilty for even wanting that. And so what I preach is that you can feel insanely grateful for everything you have and still want more Mm. that it's not mutually exclusive to feel gratitude and desire at the same time. And a lot of times as a culture, we feel really freaking guilty about that. Right. Or even like wanting a bigger home. You have a beautiful home. Like, and, and so a lot of times when we set goals, there's this friction there. Um, and you want to stay in that place of gratitude because that's going to be the place where you're actually going to be able to achieve your goals from if you're in that mindset and that abundance and gratitude mindset, but it's okay when you're there to also have a desire for something else and for something better for you and for your family and for your business or whatever it is. I'm so glad that you said that. Cause I think people will really identify. I feel a lot of guilt over that when I'm like, I'd really love to fit in those pants or drop a little bit of weight. And people are like, but Amy, and it's like, sorry, but you know, <laughs> that is how I feel because I know where I feel best in my body. Right. But I love this idea of like, you can be proud that I'm like going to the gym and eating well and like doing the work and you can still want more or want less, or, you know, yeah, whatever right. that was like. <laughs> However you want to phrase that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I heard you say, and I want to make sure I'm understanding right, is it sounded mm. to me like there's also something to focusing on the actions rather than the result. Oh, you picked up on that, yeah. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, because frankly, it's something I struggle with in my business, 
and not as much in my life. In oh, life, I'm, I'm the opposite. So this totally. is so good. So in life, I'm pretty much like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, I have this little checklist of things that make me feel good every day. And it's like, if I can meditate for 10 minutes and if I can get a workout in and if I can like eat a big salad, like, and I tick things off the checklist and then I'm like, okay, cool. Because I guess I don't have as much of a like, end game in mind. And in business, I'll be like, I want to make X amount per month. And then I get paralyzed because I'm like, I don't actually know what actions to take. I just want this thing. And then I keep not getting it because I don't know how to get there. Right. So I'd love to talk more about that action versus result focus. And there's a few things I want to go into here. So first is this realization. And I want to give credit where credit is due. And it was, I was listening to a podcast. Um, with the, the host is Russell Brunson. He has a company called ClickFunnels. Yeah. And the podcast, I think, is called like Marketing in Your Car. And now, now it's Marketing Secrets. But back then, I think it was Marketing in Your Car. But he was telling, and it was like a super juicy story. He was like, I can tell within 30 seconds or 60 seconds, it was something dramatic, <laughs> of meeting someone at a conference, whether they're going to make it in business or not. And what? Like that is a very bold statement. And I also want to know how all at the same time. Yes. And so he had this big lead up for him. And what he shared is that the people that he knew were going to make it in business were the people that were loving what they were doing and were excited about the process that it took to grow their business. The people that were like, Oh, I want to, I want a million dollar company. And I want to, and it was all focused on the outcome he knew they weren't going to make it because getting to that success is really hard. It takes a lot of work and stamina. And if you're only focused on the end result, every month you're not having that end result, you are getting more and more discouraged and disheartened, right? Where if you really enjoy what you're doing, you're stacking your wins and building momentum over time that's going to help you get there, whatever that outcome is. Well, in personal, this is where I really struggled, right? Because as you're like, I set those goals. I'm like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to lose 50 pounds, right? <laughs> yeah. and, I, and there's not necessarily, well, one, even if I know what the things it's going to take to get that, I don't really like those things. I don't like the process. And when you don't like the process, there's a lot of friction around it. And you're much more willing to give up when things are hard, right? Yes. And so that's where I have built a lot of self-awareness to share of like, okay, I love the process of growing my business and it has not been easy. It has not been this uh, linear or like that perfect graph of just like always upward trajectory, right? Um, But I, even in the messiness of it, I've always gotten so much joy and energy from it. And I cannot say the same about my personal, about my weight loss journey, we'll just say. Yeah. I keep teasing my husband because recently he did cross, he started CrossFit. And I'm like, I think I need a cult. I'm like, maybe that'll brainwash me into being into this. <laughs> it's, it's, so CrossFit can totally be culty, but it's true that like, we talked about this on a past episode and I'll link to it in the show notes at a very full plate.com slash 37. And I'll find that Russell Brunson episode too, because I really like him. Um, is finding something you love in fitness, in food, like finding a way to eat that makes you feel good, but you also enjoy. And I often think about it as like a, you know, like a Venn diagram, like eating well for me is like food you love and food that makes you feel good. And like eating well is like exists right in the middle of those two things. Because I think so often people are like, 
my friend lost a hundred pounds on keto. So now I need to go keto, but it turns out I've, I've tried to do paleo before. I'll make it more personal. And it turns out what I love is brown rice and beans. Like what a strange thing to love. I know. I also love like chocolate and cake and basically anything that is like a great food experience, but I love those things. They make me feel good. And I, realized that I was like battling against this like arbitrary definition that someone else had told me was how you feel good and eat well and live well. And that I was always going to feel struggle trying to do it that way. And someone else might feel the opposite, right? That like, they don't want to eat beans and rice ever, but they could eat steak breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that serves them. Right. And so I love the idea of going through the process, and I would encourage you to think about it this way, and I'm trying to think about my business this way, is like every misstep, every time you like go for a run and you're like, nope, running is not for me, you actually are getting closer to your goal because you're realizing like, no running, thanks. There are like a million (laughs) ways you can move your body, right? Like there are a million ways you can eat, and there are a million ways you can build your business, and only you have the answer for you, and you only discover that through the actual work. I know that you're also a Todd Herman fan. I did his 90 day year program last year and he calls it wow versus ow mindset. And I was thinking about that so much with Russell Brunson, just another way of thinking about loving the process versus focusing on the result. That's so true. I think there's like so, so much important stuff there. I love how you drew the parallel also to like personal journey because so often these folks are focused on business because that's what they coach about. But the same is true for anything, right? Totally. Well, and then I think this is a good point too, to reference Todd again. So Todd Herman, 90 day year, we'll do, we'll do multiple shout outs here. But one of the big things that he talks about that I think is really important and a step that we miss a lot is that we set a goal and a lot of times we don't set goals, we set wishes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not specific. Uh, so getting really specific about, about what is the actual outcome that we want, right? Um, what are you really looking for? And I want to dive into that a little bit later too, but we'll yes. leave it at that for now. So getting specific is like, where are you heading? And then he really encourages you to break it down into, into projects, which I think is really important and a step that that people miss is like, okay, what do we actually have to do now? Like, what are the projects that it's going to take to hit that goal? And and then what are the tasks that are assigned to those projects? And getting down to that level, one, I just think people, most people skip that step, right? Mm -hmm. This is where for me, especially with personal goals, I think it's important to really take it a step further and to figure out what are the habits that I need to create that I'm going to be consistent with and not trying to, because a lot of times we'll set a goal. We won't at all figure out how we're going to get there. And it's really like taking on like, like 20 new habits at a time, right? Which is just not possible where if you're able to take that, especially, you know, to translate to personal, which he doesn't really do in in his method, but I think makes sense if you think of it like that, like, okay, what's it going to take to to hit this weight loss goal or something. And you're like, okay, I'm going to have to work out. I'm going to have to do that. But it's like, really, what does that look like? What are the habits that you need to create? And breaking those down into smaller habits that you can slowly start to do. I think a lot of times we set a resolution or a goal for the year and it's like, we want it to like happen in January, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, I'm just as impatient as the next person. Totally. <laughs> Usually not how it works. And so to really just 
find that shift of the behavior change is where I find the magic happens. A hundred percent. And I will say the other eye-opening thing around going through the 90 day or program business focus was that I was setting way too many projects. Like I was like, I want to grow my subscriber list. And here's 300, like, honestly, I had five projects. So I'm exaggerating, but five projects that each had like 20 tasks. And what I learned through Todd was like, most of us really need like one project. Like I'm going to grow my subscriber list by doing X and here's the tasks associated with that, right? And I think that so much of that applies for personal as well is like, it, it would be so typical to be like, I'm going to lose 100 pounds and I'm going to do it by eating keto and working out five hours a day and like doing all of these things. And then you don't do any of them because it's too much. It's, it's too like much. not even achievable. And then you're at next January and you're setting the same goal over again, right? That's all of us. And I, I share that because I have set the same goal a lot of years. Oh my gosh, so many. (laughs) And with our podcast every year, which, so this is, so this is going live in December. So it is still the All Up In Your Lady Business podcast, but uh, after the new year, it's going to switch to Go To Gal. But every year so far, my co-host and I have, we've set our goals. And then the next year we actually revisit them. Yes, like the ultimate accountability. And most of the time our goals have totally shifted, but it's funny to see how things have changed throughout the year and with the personal goals, how much we've struggled with hitting them. And I think this year we were probably the most self-aware as we've ever been, but yes, it's, I don't, I want to, I think it's important to say, cause I definitely did not come onto this with like, I'm going to preach to everyone about how you stop making bad resolutions because you're all horrible at it. Like I am right there with you. Uh, and I do. That's the hard way because it is so discouraging to keep repeating that same pattern. Mm-hmm after year after year. Absolutely. And I think probably the most important thing, not to keep plugging Todd, though he's fantastic if you're building a business, but one of the cool things about his program is that you only set like two weeks of tasks at a time. And what I learned from that most is that most of us are setting goals for like an entire year and he would only have you set 90 days worth of goals and then the projects within there. And then your tasks are only two week bite size because as humans, we are going to need to shift and change and pay attention. If, I'm just, if I've decided I'm going to get healthy by running in the new year and after two weeks I have shin splints and I don't feel good running, that doesn't mean you can't reach your goal of being more active in the new year. It means maybe you need to change it a little bit. To your yeah. point, like your goal might change, but also the way you get there might be completely different than you thought when you actually start trying it. Yes. And now that you're saying that, I think what I said was more of a, of a, our goal, let's say for the business is making a certain amount of money. Right. And yeah, throughout the year, we're kind of shifting, like what are the ways we're doing to get there? Right. And, and those little shifts and pivots. And that makes so much sense. And I think coming from that place too, of like, what do you enjoy? Right. Like what's yes. going to make you enjoy the process of, of hitting that goal and not trying to change everything at once. Yes, 100%. So you said something earlier that I want to go back to because it feels really important. I'm super curious to get your wisdom on this. But you said something about like 
most of us aren't great at even setting the actual goal around what matters to us. And I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts from your experience or how you work with folks on how can we get more clear on what we actually want instead of being guided by these external shoulds and forces and such? Oh, and I wish that there was like a perfect sound blank answer for this, but I, it's messy, right? Like, I don't think there's a one, I haven't figured out like the formula for this yet, but I will say, um, there's two exercises that I think really help in putting you on that path. And so the first is to really take some time to think about and visualize, but really write down what is your ideal day? Mm. And when I say an ideal day, or it could be an ideal week, I used to do like a dream week exercise, but starting with like a day could be a week, depending on how different your days are. But to really think about what do you want to be doing throughout your day? How do you want to be feeling throughout your days and getting really intentional about that? And I think sometimes when we set goals, it can feel very vague. And I'm also a little bit woo woo. <laughs> And so now when you combine those two things, I am too. so when you combine those two things, this exercise, one helps you get specific with where do you want to be? And, and depending on how you're setting your goals or looking, this could be a year from now, or it could be five years from now. I encourage you to go a little bit further in the future because you're usually more comfortable thinking bigger, right? Because you can do more if you go out three or five years where it's like a year, it feels a little bit scarier to think too big, but what is that that you're working towards, right? Do you, do you want to be going to the gym or working out? Do you, you know, how much time do you want to be spending with your kids? How do you want to be spending that time? And most importantly, how do you want to be feeling? Because I'm not an expert in manifestation or woo-woo space, but I will say aligning that feeling, like the more you can be in tuned with how you want to feel, and, and then be intentional about feeling like that more often, like that's going to put you on that right path of alignment, right? So getting really clear on this is what I'm working towards. And it's not just money, right? It's like, what does that lifestyle look like? Like, how does it feel to be a certain size, right? What does it, what does it look like to actually maintain that size in terms of what you're eating and, yes. work, and working out, right? And being realistic about it. But I find when you start from that place, it's easier than to backtrack and be like, what is it going to take to hit this? How much money is it going to take? What, you know, what kind of habits or commitments or goals or projects do I need to do to get to that place? So once you're there, then you can back up and really start to reverse engineer how to make that happen. I super appreciate you sharing that because it reminded me of a story from back before kids when every year I'd be like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And it would always be, I don't know, it was always 10 pounds, no matter what weight I was, for whatever reason. Again, like that sort of automated thing that lived in my head. And what I realized over the years was that being 10 pounds less, especially like less than a certain weight, was past the point of what I often refer to it now as like happy weight. To me, happy weight is where like you're not thinking so much about your weight or your clothes or whatever, but you're also not having to constantly monitor everything you eat and do to maintain it. And I think it's the perfect example of what you're saying, which is I love food. I love having food experiences. I love being social around food. I love having a glass of wine whenever I want one, which is often like a glass at the end of the day. I don't want to be a size zero 
and not be able to do those things. Like those things wouldn't actually align. And so I think it is an example of so much of what you were saying, which is like, what I want to feel is to have like food freedom, but I also want to feel like I'm not constantly distracted by thinking like, oh, if only then I would feel better. Or if only then I'd have more energy to hang out with my kids. And it's like this sweet spot of finding. And I, I'm with you on the woo stuff. Like I've really been working on this, like picturing things because even if you don't believe in manifestation or all of those things, I think only in picturing things, can we make sure we're headed in the right direction? Yes. Yes. And you really put yourself into that situation of like, what does that feel like? Do it. Is that what I really want? Yeah. And what you just shared, which is so spot on and brilliant leads me to what the other suggestion I was going to say, and that's really figuring out what is important to you. Like, what are your core values as a mm-hmm. person, right? Um, or for your business, what are your core values for your business? And a lot of times for those with personal brands, it's kind of the same thing, right? But if it's, if it's important to you to be social, if it's important to you to be, um, I'm just trying to think of, you know, to be giving back in a certain way or like, what are those things and making sure that you're building that into like how you're actually living your life. And a lot of times setting goals around that, and then you're creating different habits or tasks or routines or whatever they are that are going to help you make sure you're doing that. But just being intentional is so, so important. I love that you use the word intentional because it's something that often comes back to me with food too, which is like, I don't talk to people about diets. I don't create programs around diets, but I think there's something so powerful around making intentional decisions in all parts of our life. And food is one of them, right? Like I've joked before on the podcast that to me, an intentional indulgence is, for example, we were just in Maui and I had this like awesome chocolate caramel macadamia nut pie and it was so delicious. To me, that's a super intentional indulgence. Like it's unique to there. It's in a social setting. It's really delicious. It's something I can't get all the time. The flip side of that would be like waking up with my hand in a bag of gummy bears, which I've for sure done before and being like, oh my gosh, I just ate like 12 handfuls of gummy bears. (laughs) Like it didn't make me feel good. It wasn't in alignment with my goals. And I really honestly didn't even enjoy them. I just was on autopilot, right? So powerful. And so that helps you in the decision-making process too, to like check in with that. Totally. To be like, is this intentional? Am I making this choice? Right. And I think that that applies to so much of this goal setting. So say like, is this intentional? You know, am I, is this what I really want? And I love that idea of being able to picture how it fits within your life too. Yeah. Do you set a word of the year? I do. So 2018 was my year of action. And I would say like, Yeah, I mean, this podcast is a result of that word, this podcast starting amidst many other things. Like, it has definitely been a year of action. I love the word of the year. What was your word of 2018? So my word of 2018 was nurture, which is actually a word. It's funny because I had some, like, it's not my favorite word. Like, you know, some people don't like the word, like, moist or something. Like, I don't like (laughs) nurture. So I actually was like, I was like, does that have like a better word for nurture? Like I wasn't like totally committed to it at first. Um, But I really, what I realized was at the end of last year is that I had so many great 
seeds planted, if mm-hmm. you will, in both my personal life and business life. And I had all of these relationships and opportunities and things that were already there. But instead of always feeling like I needed to seek out more, I really wanted to nurture everything that I had. Uh, and, and I did. And so many more great things have come from that. And I think that that's something that will always be a part of me. But it was just... For, for some reason for this year, I felt like it was important to set that intention on the year because I felt like I was getting put, caught up with the shoulds of being around other people that maybe had different goals and um, and kind of that like seeking more, more, more where I was like, I feel like I have everything I need right now to, to have the business that I want and, um, and the personal life that I want. Like I have, I have all those things. I just need to nurture it more to let it grow. And it really did. I love that. And what is your word for 2019? Have you said it yet? I have. And I struggled with this one too, but it was good because I I talked about it a bit. And it's always good when there's extra accountability because we had a podcast episode that we had to record about it. So, you yeah. know, I had a deadline. <laughs> Most people, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, right? But it was like, I need to know this by like November and that feels like pressure. But it was good because it forced me to really seek it out. And I'm a verbal processor. So discussing it um, with several different friends of, of kind of describing what I was thinking because I will say so one of the things that I've noticed a lot is that I get these little you can call them like intuitive nudges or maybe just ideas or a thought pops into your head Mel Robbins actually talks about this a lot with her five second rule um, that for her she'll say like oh and you um I really thought about her a lot when I was setting my intention for this year. She was like, oh, you have that thought that you should send that email or call that friend. And, and she just wants you to like, five, four, three, two, one, like do it. Because if you don't, in those five seconds, you will likely talk yourself out of it, right? And throughout this year, I can't tell you how many times whenever I've acted on those little nudges, whether it's reaching out to an old friend I haven't talked to in a while or in a conversation, you know, being bold and asking for a certain opportunity that maybe I would have talked myself out of, that so many good things have come from that. And, and I can't tell you how many times too, I've like reached out to someone and they were like, oh, I was just thinking about you. Like, I really do feel like there's something to that. So this was kind of my, what my thought process was like, okay, I want to lean into this more. And I really want to, you know, pay attention to those little thoughts and ideas and nudges and be taking action on them. And action was actually one of the words on my list of like, is that the right word to encompass this? Um, but I like to think about a word that really reflects both what I'm trying to do in my home life and business life. And what I settled on was listen and really giving myself the white space to listen, taking time to meditate and, you know, and listen in that regard, really listening to the people around me and kind of going past that, like just, you know, normal conversation, but really making sure I'm listening to their wants and needs and all of that. And, and just most importantly, listening to all those little nudges, because I think that they just lead you in the right direction. But most of us are so, busy and rushed and, um, you know, and having all these, I say, inner mean girl thoughts and, and we're not filling up our head that we feel like we either don't have time to, or we talk ourselves out of it or self-sabotage or all of those things. Since folks can't see me, I'm just going to say, I'm like nodding along to everything because I'm feeling it so hard. This like need for space that like what I think I, and probably a lot of people need to do is actually less rather than more. And that 
you said something that really resonates with me, which is like everything you need is already within you. You were saying that about yourself, but I actually Mm -hmm. believe that about most of us. Yes. Like you already have everything you need. You probably know what you want. You know what you want your life to look like. And without space to actually consider that and then to set goals or intentions or whatever a New Year's resolution looks like and means to you, that you get caught up in this churn. Like life is so much churn if we don't take a minute and give space. And you said something about meditation. Do you have a meditation practice? I do. I do. And I'm very simple about it, but I, in the, in the morning or in the afternoon, so I don't have a morning routine because, um, I can't kids, kids, (laughs) no explanation. (laughs) Oh, and, and the thing is my work day, right. Starts on, does start on Tuesday and Thursday in the morning, but the other days of the week, I, I will on Monday and Wednesday, I have my son home with me until 12. And then on Fridays, I'm just home with him. And so I don't always get a chance to meditate on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes I will, and I feel it the days that I don't, sometimes I will just like literally say to my husband, like, I just need to go upstairs for 10 minutes. (laughs) Like, do not let the kids come upstairs. And I have to like put on like my noise canceling headphones and listen to a meditation for 10 minutes to just like reset my day. Um, Because I do find that it helps so much. But on those other days when I do, before I dig into work and getting started with things for the business, I take time to do a 10 minute meditation and I actually do a lot on YouTube with it. Nice. Um, yeah, I just go and find like find one on YouTube. I don't have like a set way to do it. And then and then I do a gratitude list. And I have a notebook, and so it's usually like twenty or twenty five lines. And I literally put and, I, and this is important because most people when they do a daily gratitude practice do like two or three things, and you kind of send you tend to do the same things every day. You're like, oh, I'm grateful for my husband, grateful for my kids, you know, grateful for our home. And it's like pretty surface level. And, and then you feel like guilty, like leaving one of them out the next day, you know, so it like tends to be the same things. And when it becomes routine like that, you're not as tuned into the feeling. And that's why the gratitude practice is so important is to set that intention around feeling grateful and to actually feel grateful. So like, if you don't, like well up in tears at some point while you're writing a list of things you're grateful for, you have not really done a gratitude practice. (laughs) Um, Like that is my like barometer of like, you need to dig deeper because you're almost like immune to it, you know? And so sometimes that means digging a little bit deeper into not just saying like a person, but saying why you're grateful for that person and being specific with something about them or something that happened that you're really grateful for. And then I really encourage you to go deeper with it and find things about yourself that you're grateful for. Most of us leave ourselves Mm. off of our gratitude list and also finding those things that maybe you don't feel so grateful for and finding gratitude for them. Cause that is when you really start to shift your belief systems. And, you know, I think a good example, especially this time of year is that is something that comes up and a lot of people feel a lot of guilt and shame around having debt. And if you're able to really flip the script on that and, and part of, you know, part of this like daily routine and you're writing down all these great things in your life. And if you're able to write on one of those lines and say, I'm so grateful that 
you know, we had this, you know, line of credit or whatever it is that helped us do X, right? And maybe that X is pay the mortgage. Maybe that X is take a vacation. Maybe that X is put Christmas under, you know, presents under the Christmas tree or whatever it is. But if you're able to kind of let go of some of those things that you're feeling guilt or shame or burdened by or stressed by, right? And really find an ounce of gratitude for them. That's when you really just start to shift your whole energy in that moment. Thank you so much for sharing that. I identify with so much of it. And it makes me think about like so often on people who are on a wellness journey or maybe who have like a health event that has inspired them to think more about wellness. It's like this thing that they're like, oh man, you know, I have this really hard thing I'm dealing with or um, an autoimmune disease or those kinds of things. And that there is a way to look at that and say like, for me, I started this journey that has now become my career because I had like the most intense stomach pains that I couldn't get an answer to. And I'm sure at the time I was also wallowing in that. Like, this is so unfair that I have this thing. And listen, in the list of unfairness, like I realized that it's pretty low. But for me, it was impacting my life at the time. Yes. And in retrospect, I can now see exactly what you're saying, which is like, I am so grateful that I went through that because it gives me an understanding of other people. It set me on this path to learning more about food. It has empowered me to make an impact, which is, by the way, my word for 2019. Um, And... And all of these things, but how powerful to be in the moment and be able to flip that. And I think you're right. It's like a switch. Like it changes something in our brain, but it changes something in the universe too, not to get too woo on everybody. And I will link to, there's Dan Harris who does 10% Happier. He has a podcast. He's a meditator and he interviews other meditators, but he has an episode where he talks about the science of gratitude. And I'll link to that in the show notes. But it's pretty cool. And one of the things he says, I think it's Sean Acor is his guest. I'll, I'll link. Um, is he says that part of it is that by having a gratitude practice, and he actually recommends doing it at the end of the day. I do mine in the morning in the five-minute journal. I um, like the morning too. I feel like you just, then you have it the whole day, right? I like, I like it too. Yeah. But, like you're trying to set that energy for the day. <laughs> Just I, I try to get people to switch. I really do. For what it's worth, he says that the end of the day can be really powerful because it sets you in the mindset all day of looking for things you can be grateful for, knowing um, that you're going to have to write something at the end of the day. Okay. So that's, that's the trick. That's the trick like, for him. That's the trick for him. Well, that makes more sense because I'm like, yeah. at the end of the day, you're like, you're getting in this great space of feeling and then you go to bed. I'm like, I'm like, is there something about your dreams or something that I'm missing? <laughs> but I guess if you're if you're seeking it throughout the day, uh, I can see where that works. Absolutely. So there's there's lots of pieces here, and I think we've talked about a lot of different aspects of goal setting. And I know that you have given us the wonderful gift of time, and I don't want to take more time than you have. So I want to make sure we kind of wrap up. If you were since you are, I should say, talking to someone who is thinking about how to make this next year great, whatever that might look like for them, what are like two things you would have them do right now to start thinking about how they can set their best resolution, goal, intention, what word, whatever it might look like for them and make it more impactful than ever? So start with what does it mean to have a great year, right? Like I actually say go, so this is a great exercise to do. Fast forward to next year this time 
and write yourself a letter, do a, do a journal entry and write yourself a letter about everything that made that year such a great year and, and kind of put yourself in that visualization of a year from now. And this is going to help you get really clear on what are the things that are really important to you and not your friends, not your neighbors, not your Facebook friends, (laughs) not random people sharing things on their Insta stories, right? But to get really clear on, on what would make you great for you and for your family and, and to visualize it. Cause that's so, I just think that this visualization is so powerful. A lot of times people in the woo-woo space will say like, you know, stand in front of a mirror and say, I am a millionaire, you know, <laughs> like I'm a size zero. And like, I don't know, I feel like we're smarter than that. You know, it's like, there's this like resistance of being able to like actually believe yourself and your brain's like, well, you're not. So I don't know. But when you're able to put yourself in a visualization, and put yourself into that situation where, where that thing that you want, what you're trying to achieve, you're actually experiencing it. Then you can put yourself in that moment and say, I am that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's where I find that's really powerful. And so part of this exercise is, okay, what do I have to do to get there? And then the second part, which is a little bit more painful to do, but I think is actually the most important part is, and it's easier to list out too, is what do you need to not do? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to stop doing? What do you need to stop thinking? What do you need to, to take off your calendar? And, and some of this is actually in, some of this is very literal and like, okay, like you need to do less and make space to take, to have room in your life for this new thing. Um, and, and some of it is, is not as literal and just like, what are these what are these ideas or beliefs that we need to let go of? You know, one of the things that come up a lot is, um, is maybe being a perfectionist, right? And thinking that it's only going to happen if I do it perfectly. And part of the problem with perfectionists and saying this as a recovering perfectionist myself is we've taken it on as our identity. And there's a lot of things like this that we take on as our identity. And when something is part of your identity, Um, let's say like, I'm not a smoker, but like, if you're a smoker, like people are like, I'm a smoker. Like it is literally like you say it, like it is part of you and it makes it so much harder to let go of that thing when we associate as part of our identity. So starting to build some awareness around what are the thoughts and beliefs and things that are not helping you get to that goal, because it is just as much about the mindset as it is about the action. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent to all of that. I, you put it so well. <laughs> That's why I wanted to have you on. Okay. I know you can put it so well. And I'm just like, I'm just thinking, which is why I have no good words right now, which is rare that I don't have something to say. But I was just thinking like, yes, so much of what we do in goal setting in general, and especially in the new year is additive, right? Like I am going to start doing this thing, but we don't think about what we need to let go of either from a mental perspective, like what mindset stuff, or from just the like, I can't possibly go to the gym every day if every minute of my day is packed, right? I have to let go of something to make that happen. And I feel like with the combination of getting really clear about what you want, setting some specific projects and tasks that will help you get there, letting go of the things that aren't serving you. And then I think there's this piece, and I'd be curious of your thoughts as like our final thing of like 
um, letting go of your attachment to the outcome in order to make success inevitable. And you said some of this around like the Russell Brunson stuff is like not getting so attached that you're holding so tight that it's also your only focus is like if you do that work and then you do the work on a daily basis, then just like knowing like I am doing the work to move in this direction. Exactly. How can I enjoy the process? How can I make this fun? Uh, and that, that goes for everything, right? Like you can put this approach to business. You could put this approach to exercise, to eating healthy, um, you know, to spending time with your kids, right? Cause that could be stressful or that could be fun. So sometimes getting intention around, you know, or even, um, with your partner, you know, I mean, it is so we can blink and a month can go by and we haven't been able to just have dinner together, the two of us, right? So that was one of the things that we set intention on. It's like, we want to have it once a month. And some people are going to be like, once a month? That's our state now, you know? Like, yes. Once a, month. <laughs> once a month takes a lot of intention. Um, you know, we're seeing each other throughout the week, but between kids and travel and businesses, and we're both traveling sometimes, it's, you know, once a month is a really good starting place for us. You had a post on your blog that I'm going to link to because it's something that I've thought a lot about is also like this, how do I make this easy? Like, what would this look like if it were easy? Yes, that was one of my, embrace ease was one of my, I say words, it was like a phrase of the year a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, but it was, that was my stage of life. I had a baby and my default was trying to make everything perfect and working hard. And, uh, and that was not going to happen. Right. I literally had my son home with me full time. I had a toddler who was in school, but still she was around and I was like, okay, I can't do this all myself. And that's when I really started hiring for my business. It's also when I took 90 day year for the first time, I bought it when I was, uh, on bed rest about to give birth. Like, cause that's when you invest in a course. Right? <laughs> I bought it when my dad was super ill and I had like a one-year-old. So I think there's something, this is, this yeah. goes back to gratitude for the hard things is like, it was a gift that spurred me into action that I might not have otherwise taken. Totally. Because it's a big leap and it's a big investment. And I would encourage the folks who are listening to just think like, how can you make whatever your goal is easy and fun? And how can you use the things that feel like barriers as motivation and gratitude and like really switching that mindset? And Jacqueline, I am so appreciative. You've given us so many great ways today that we can do that. In our upcoming episodes, we're going to be exploring a little bit more around like what can we actually set in place to make success inevitable. Um, I have a guest on next week that's going to talk about accountability and the value of having accountability to other people. And then throughout January, we're talking about like all of the different things you might want to be, which is a more mindful parent, or you might want to raise adventurous eaters. And we have some experts who are going to talk about those things. So I can't thank you enough for kicking us off on thinking about what we, what we might actually want and how we can start figuring that out in the first place. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Clearly, I love this topic and we could just talk about it all day. <laughs> well, for folks who want to hear more from Jacqueline, I will link to your website and the various places that folks can find you. I love following you on Instagram and seeing all the things you're up to. And I can't wait to hear what's coming for the Go To Gal podcast. Yes, the Go To Gal podcast coming in January 2019. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jacqueline. Thank you for listening.